Welcome to the United State of Us podcast. I'm Erin Flood, and today's guest is Megan Zintek, a longtime friend. Um, and I cannot wait for you to hear so many parts of her amazing story. Um, Megan, welcome. I'm so happy to have you with me this morning. Oh, Erin, I'm so happy to be here and to see you <laughs> virtually after so many years. This is awesome. Yeah, me too. Um, everyone should know who's listening, who's uh, longtime, lifetime dance friends with us. We're, we're secretly planning some kind of reunion <laughs> when, when COVID's done. So everybody, everybody better get ready. Doesn't matter yep. where we have to fly or drive, we're coming, right? Yep, I think so. I think it would be awesome. And we can all we can all use it after this is all done. That's yeah, for no, sure. No kidding. <laughs> no kidding. Well, Megan, um, I just want to start out by saying um congratulations on all of your success with your dance studio. Um, I can't wait for you to tell us a little bit about it. Um, so can you just give us a little bit of a rundown about your studio and the other roles that you hold in your life right now? Sure. I mean, you know, my two or my three main roles right now are um, studio owner, you know, entrepreneur, mom, and wife, I would say, you know, um, those are probably my three defining roles at the moment. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's been quite the journey getting here. Um, the dance studio is my first baby, I always say. Um, and actually kind of funny little thing. I was thinking about this the other day when I was, when I just had my son, Ethan, my first son, somebody was talking to me and they were asking me, Oh, how many kids do you have? And I said, 400. <laughs> Cause I associated the dance studio so much and my kids at the dance studio so much as a part of who I was in my, my life. And I do, you know, I feel as close to those kids and as maternal to them as if they were my own. So, um, so kind of funny, but other than that, I have, uh, two beautiful boys. Ethan is two and a half. Noah is five months, just turned five months the other day. And I've been happily married to my husband for four years, which isn't that long, but it's still really great. (laughs) Good. Yes. I always, when I had my own classroom, I always felt, felt that way too. And, um, even when I was a, a principal, I remember at a, at graduation, um, when I had to give the commencement address, I said, I was at a basketball game watching kids um, play basketball and a parent behind me, I was like so into the game and probably <laughs> a little over eager cheering fan as I tend to be. Uh-huh. Um, and this dad was like, gosh, Aaron, they're, they're not even your kids. And I thought, oh, but they are, they are my kids. They are my kids. So I love to hear just that attitude from another educator. Um, Absolutely. I think unless you are really in the classroom teaching and I mean, cause you see these kids so much, you know, I mean, it's hard to not, to not think of them that way, you know, when you get to them like that and stuff. So yeah. Yes. Okay. Anyway, back back to the show. Um, (laughs) So I always start by asking people before you held all of those roles, who were you before you were um, a a dance teacher or a dance company owner and a wife and a mother? Oh, what was life like before all of that? Hard to remember. Um, No, you know, I mean, I think outside of all this, you know, certainly being a business owner and a mom has changed me. And I think for the better, 
Um, but before all of that, I would say I was a pretty free spirit. I was a social butterfly, um, you know, like to have my social calendar booked up, uh, you know, do fun things with friends and family whenever I could. Um, I loved traveling. I still traveled with boys. Obviously that's been put on hold <laughs> this year. No traveling yet. Um, but you know, that's something that my husband and I certainly want to get back to when it's safe for us to travel again with our family. Um, but I love traveling, you know, before I was with my husband, I loved traveling on my own, seeing the world and doing things on my time schedule was just awesome for me. Um, and then I'm also a big music lover, loved going to concerts, um, the freedom of dancing when you're at concerts, you know, in an unrestricted way, because dance was such a big part of my life, but that was just a fun place to go and kind of be free with it. Um, I'm also a big foodie. So, <laughs> you know, I, I promote health and wellness. And at the same time, I love to indulge when I love to indulge, you know. Um, so food has actually been a very big part of my life. I love entertaining and having people over. That's followed me into my roles as studio owner and mom and stuff. My husband and I still love throwing dinner parties. Um, but yeah, food has been a big part of my life. And I think that actually stems from my mom. My mom was a big foodie, loved to cook and really, um, really ingrained that in my sister and I. So my sister and I, we connect all the time through food. And I come from a big Italian family. So food is just central. I mean, like we'd visit my Nana and my Nana would be like, are you hungry? And we'd say, no, 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 we're okay. She'd go, okay, I'll make you a sandwich. You know, <laughs> part of our life. So I think kind of, you know, some of that certainly has played into my roles now. Um, but I would say probably just a little bit more of a, yeah, free spirit before all of that. Yeah. I mean, we, we had our, like going to see Dave Matthews band at Alpine Valley days and yeah. yes, that's right. It's so fun. I'm like, someday I'll get back there. <laughs> yes. And, um, I know we're going to talk about your mom in a little bit, but I, you say that about her, I would get so excited. So people, if people don't know, Megan and I not only danced in a dance company together, but we also went to high school together and we're on our high school dance team together. And when you, what? <laughs> you were my captain. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, when it would be your turn to host like the pregame dinner. Mm -hmm. I mean, we would be so jacked for your mom and yes. like the feast yes. that she would make for us. And she would have those little cheesecake squares. Do you remember we all like, ate those cheesecake squares? And we were like, these are phenomenal. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Oh, she was amazing. I can still feel her hugs. Oh, yeah. 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 Amazing. about that, Erin. That's amazing that you remember that. That's right. We would do that. Yeah. 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 And we would like be so excited because she, it was the best. It was yeah. the best. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay. So talk to us a little bit about the, the birth of your first child, your studio. Um, I spent some time as I was telling you before we started recording, um, talking to Kate Moody about Liberty Dance Center. And we heard about, about how that evolved, but I'm always interested in, um, kind of the mental games that you have to play with yourself in order to gain the confidence to go from, working for someone to working for yourself. Um, so if you don't mind just telling us a little bit about the birth of your studio, um, and 
about how kind of mentally you were able to prepare for what you were taking on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, it's kind of, it's interesting because people ask me a lot, you know, about this journey into owning my own business and opening a dance studio. Um, so I started assistant teaching at Royal Alma Mater, AOD, when I was in seventh grade and fell in love with teaching. And I actually, I taught every year as an assistant teacher and a te- or a teacher, I mean, since then, for my entire life, except for my first year in college. I took a year off, missed it, ended up going back. So when I was really young, like in middle school, I had actually thought, I want to own my own dance studio someday. Um, so it was kind of a childhood dream. Well, then, you know, I grew up, I started going through high school and things like that. And, you know, you start to get feedback from other people about what you should do with your life. And I'm saying should do in quotations, you know, um, what's kind of acceptable or the social norm. So that dream started to go away a little bit, but I knew that I loved dance and I knew how much dance fed my soul and how important it was for me, for my growth as a human being. And I knew I wanted to implement it somehow in my life. So out of high school, I went to Madison and I decided that I was going to double major in dance and psychology and do something with movement therapy. Um, but I took a dance class there and it was not my favorite, you know, just, just wasn't my cup of tea, um, that program. And then I took a psychology class and I hated it. Now I do have to admit that that was a 7.30 AM lecture and that, <laughs> <laughs> that may have had something to do with why I disliked psychology. Um, but I kind of felt like I lost my way for a little bit that first year, you know, um, I, I wasn't teaching dance, you know, I, I just wasn't immersed in it as much as I had been. And I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I also knew myself well enough to know, like, I just can't go to school and take gen eds and hope I figure it out. I'm just, that's just not, I'm not that type of person. So I decided that I was going to take a couple years off, um, kind of work, figure out what I was going to do. And then I'd go back to school or take a year off, you know, whatever it was much to the, um, you know, the, what would you say? Chagrin of my parents, yeah. you know what I mean? They were not thrilled about that. And they were, they were convinced that I would not go back to school. And I'm like, no, but I do. It's nice when people tell me I can't do something because it makes me want to do it that much more. So I was like, I will prove to you guys that I'm going to go back. <laughs> But, um, so I mean, and- Megan, Megan, I'm not going to lie. I think we left off like the last time we really hung out was maybe in somewhat of a rebellious phase of yours and maybe of mine. So I'm, I mean, I'm with you. Okay. Yeah. Carry on. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, so I took those couple years off and I actually got a job teaching at a dance studio that had just opened up. So I was able to see this studio built from the ground up. And after, I mean, so having that experience was kind of like, Oh, I had this childhood dream and like, I think I could do this, you know, and it was, it was a good learning experience to see like what worked, what didn't work. I really think, and I've always said like the, what didn't work has been invaluable in my life to kind of learn from somebody else's mistakes instead of having to make those right away. I mean, I've made plenty of mistakes in my life and with my business. Um, but some of those lessons that I've got, I got to learn before I opened my own studio were really invaluable. So I saw the studio built from the ground up and I really realized like once I was in there teaching and choreographing again, I was like, this is what I want to do. Like this, uh, this drives me to get up in the morning. Um, so I did that for about two years and then decided if I was going to do this, I needed to go back to school. So, um, I actually went to UW Milwaukee 
and I got my dance degree. I had debated double majoring in business and dance, but the way the dance program is set up is they only offer specific classes at certain times. And at this point I was 20. So I was older going back into school and I really just wanted to like get school done and get on with my life. Like now I had this focus and this goal. And so I was like, I just want to do this. So, um, double majoring would have extended out my time much longer in school. So I decided I would just major in dance and just take business classes when I could. Um, so I did, I finished the dance program in like three years. I did like 20 to 22 credits every semester and just kind of buckled down and, you know, but it was, it was great. I mean, once I knew, again, I'm, I'm just a really goal oriented person. So once I knew what I wanted to do, it was not a problem for me to like put in, you know, 12, 14 hour days. And, and a lot of that carried over into, um, the work ethic and drive I had too, you know, when I opened my business and all of that really came, I believe from being a dancer when I was younger, those long days that we would spend at dance competitions, you know, you're so tired, but you got to push on, you got to get on that stage. Like, you know, it's the first dance you're doing and you're super bright and cheery, you know, um, um, those lessons have just kind of continued to compound and build. And I think really were the backbone for driving me when I finally opened my own business. So out of college, I worked for a couple of years because I had to save money, obviously, to open the studio. Um, and then, you know, it's kind of funny. So I, I knew that was my goal and my dream, but it is a scary thing to open your own business, you know? And, uh, and after a couple of years, I really, really started to look for, um, for where I wanted to open my studio. Uh, the studio I was teaching at, I could tell things weren't going great and they were probably going to close. So I, I actually jumped ship early. There were some bad experiences and things going on there. And I was like, you know what? I need to focus on what my dream was. So this isn't healthy for me right now. Um, and I started looking around, but it's funny because uh, at that point, it was just my dad. My mom had passed away. And I came home one day and I was talking to him and I actually had decided that I was going to open a franchise business first. I was going to do a, a pure bar studio. My cousin owns one in Michigan. And I was like, you know what? I told my dad, I'm like, I think this will be uh, really great. You know, I'll just learn like how to own a business and they're going to do like marketing and all of that for me. And, uh, and this would be really great. And then in a couple of years, I'll open my own dance studio and I'll never forget it. I was standing in the kitchen of his house and he looks at me and he goes, what are you afraid of? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, what are you afraid of? Why are you so, why are you going to open this other business that you really don't have a passion for? He's like, what are you afraid of happening if you open your own business? And I was like, oh, you're just calling me out on that, aren't you, dad? <laughs> but it, How dare you? I, know, you know, I was like, he's right. This is a fear-driven decision, right? And I mean, and that's, you know, there, there was a little bit of like, you're right. I have to be brave. It's going to be a risk. But if I don't take this risk, I'm going to regret it for the rest of my life, you know, but it, and it really just made me his question made me sit down and reflect. And I was like, yeah, all I'm doing is delaying what I really want to do for the, you know, um, for the fear that I'll fail, but I'll fail even more if I never try it, you know, fail in my own heart and my own soul. So, um, so then, yeah, the next few months really looked around. Um, this I, I kind of lucked out in the fact that the studio I was teaching at before had two locations. One of them was in Mequon, uh, Wisconsin, where my studio is now. 
And that studio ended up closing in, I believe it was July of that year. And I had been looking at a few different locations and some of the parents whose kids I taught had reached out and were like, Hey, the studio closed. We know you were thinking of opening your own. Would you consider, you know, coming over to Mequon? And, uh, you know, we kind of did the numbers, looked at spaces and stuff, and it just, it made the most sense to, to open over there. Um, especially cause I had a little bit of a connection. So the day I opened, um, October 31st, 2011, I had 23 students. I was so excited. I was so scared. <laughs> um, but it, it ended up being the, one of the best things I've ever done with my life. You know, by the end of this season, we had 72 students. So it really grew while we were there, you know, word got out about what I was doing and, um, what we were offering kids and things like that. And, uh, and I think, you know, my ultimate vision for Bellavia and Bellavia is actually my mom named the studio. Um, so like I said, this was a dream that we had that I had for a long time. So we did used to talk about it and we would talk about um, names for the studio. And my mom came up with Bella Via, which means loosely translates to the beautiful way in Italian. Mm. So guiding these kids on this beautiful way, this beautiful life journey, opening up opportunities to them. Um, and that's really what Bella Via is for me. I mean, yes, we're teaching, we're teaching movement, we're teaching dance, but Myself, my staff, my faculty, what we really believe is that we're teaching kids life lessons at the end of the day. You know, that stuff, that that grit, you know, that we yeah. got from when we were dancing when we were younger. Um, we want to give that, you know, teach that to the next generation. So um, teaching them, you know, to win and lose with grace, teaching them to show up and do the hard work, even when you don't want to, you know, that hard work does pay off in the end, you know. Um, those lessons that you get, I think, just from putting in those those long hours and then the lifelong friendships that you get to make while you're doing it um, and the poise and the grace that you get to take with you, you know, that dance promotes in your body and things going forward. All of that, it's really creating well-rounded kids is what my ultimate goal is. And I think now the studio for me is more about legacy, leaving my legacy and my mark on the world. And dance is the way I can do it. Bella Via is the way I can do it. So I, I really believe that um, we're teaching and leading the next generation to be better leaders, better mentors, better role models, to be the best versions of themselves, to learn about hard work and sacrifice and resilience, you know, and hopefully continue to make the, the world a better place. I love all of it. And I'm sitting here teary thinking about your mother. Like, how am I going to ask you questions about your mom? Cause I can't even like listen to mother without getting teary. I know. I know. <laughs> um, okay. So a couple things that I just want to go back and highlight that you said that I think are just really impactful. One is the stage where, um, when you were in college and you thought, well, like, what am I doing? I feel like I lost my way instead of just continuing to like fumble through this very expensive, like experiment that I feel like so many kids Mm -hmm. or even like so many parents, like watch their kids fumbling their way through and think, well, this is just what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to go, you're supposed to get four years. You're supposed to, you know, and, um, as somebody who, you know, spent 15 years of my life in a high school working with kids, Mm -hmm. um, so many parents that, that like heartache and concern over like, but if they stop, they're never going to go back. Or if they, 
and to be honest with you, mm-hmm. considering the judgment of what everyone else will think when you right. quote unquote drop out. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's so the, the stigma with that is, is just as hard to take as, as the actual decision, I think, um, just in a lot of, um, discussions I've had with parents over the years. So, um, the fact that you speak to being brave enough at that point or me and some of it's youth, right? You're just like, well, I just know what I'm doing. And even though, I mean, you don't. But no, it's told you. <laughs> the older I get, the more I know that I don't know. <laughs> right? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but the fact that you were brave enough to do that and brave enough to say, I'm not just quitting without a plan. I'm quitting, I'm quitting with a plan, right? I'm gonna go back to a studio, I'm gonna do that and see how that feels and try to figure out my way as I do that. Mm-hmm. Um the fact that now you can speak to how impactful that experience was on your overall success, I feel like is a huge message for people just to know that sometimes the way we think it should be done mm-hmm. is not what will work for us. And not just in that college experience, but like life, yeah. life in general. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I guess, you know, it's, it's so great hearing you talk about this because I hadn't really, I mean, until this moment, yeah, I never really thought of it from my parents' perspective. I really just kind of focused on what my journey and my parents was at that time, you know, I mean, God, how selfish of me, um, <laughs> you know, but, but it's true, you know, and even like you said, that worry of like, what will other people think, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess it's something, it's good to reflect on this now because it, I'm sure as a parent, I will do the same things with my boys when I'm older. They're going to want to go on their own path and their own journey. And I'm going to be like, whoa, that's not what I thought you were going to do. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, for sure. But I think, um, it, you know, it was, it was a rough go with my parents when I was first explaining it. But ultimately, my parents have always been my biggest supporters and my number one fans, you know, and, um, and once, once they got past that initial shock and hurt, I don't think they loved it, but they certainly were supportive in the best way they could be, you know, and, um, and realized that, you know, I had to go, man, the other thing they did was, you know, when I was in college, they were helping take care of me. And they were like, if you do this, you're cut off. And I was like, no, I get it. You know? And that, that also for me was a, a really great learning and growing experience. Like I needed, I needed to be on my own. I needed to learn, um, the value of a dollar, you know what I mean? Uh, and actually when I, <laughs> I always say this, you know, when I was teaching those couple of years, I was, te- it was a new studio. So I think the first year I was working like 14 hours a week, 14 or 15 hours a week, um, <laughs> making like, you know, nothing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, uh, so really, I mean, when I finally got my own apartment up there, uh, I remember my mom telling me later that she left and just cried the whole way home because it was such a dump, <laughs> you know, but I, I was proud because I was doing it on my own, but it was also really good fuel and motivation for like, this is not how I want to live the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. So that in itself, um, was motivation to like, I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to open my own business. I'm going to, I'm going to make my way, you know, and do this. Um, 
So, you know, I think that was a great learning experience too. And if my parents had, you know what it is, my parents let me fall. Do you know what I mean? They let me experience that. They said, okay, you're going to do this. Like, we're going to let you fall. It's probably going to hurt a little bit, you know, by saying like, you're doing this on your own. We're not going to help you. Um, and that's where I learned the most was that, that fall, you know, and, and it wasn't a bad fall. It was a good fall. It opened up my eyes to a lot of things, but they could have, you know, coddled me or continued to try to, I don't know, you know, find little ways to coerce me back into doing what they wanted me to do. But they really, I mean, they also knew me and I could be pretty headstrong and stubborn. So, (laughs) so, you know, I think they knew if they pushed too much, I would just continue to fight. Um, So they, they really let me figure that out on my own. And it really was, I think those two years were some of the hardest, but some of the best learning experiences of my entire life and really, um, molded and shaped me into who I am today. Yeah. And I think too, and now being a parent now and thinking back about that, it's like, as a parent, so often I find myself wanting to save my kids from those heartaches. And some of it is so selfish because there is nothing that hurts your heart more than when your kids are hurting. Absolutely. So it's actually like when you look at those things that your parents did for you, it's like, that's the, I'm not sure there is a more profound way than you could, that you could show someone how much you love them than allowing them to learn those hard things for themselves, you know, just because you know how much it hurts your heart, you know, and it sounds like, you know, if mom's still coming to the apartment and all those things, like, obviously they were still loving toward you and whatever. They just said, we love you, but like financially you're on your own. So I think there's, there's the both and in that approach and, and, um, gosh, you just hope that, that kids now, and again, just looking at, at, from a parent's perspective, you hope that they learn those hard lessons in the like the safest time and stage of their life possible. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine how scary that was for them. You know, being worried, like, is she going to come out of this? Is she going to go back? What's going to happen? Are we going to lose our daughter? You know, I mean, I think, uh, I think that's just natural, you know, and having kids of my own, I completely understand it. Um, you know, I understood it too, as a teacher, I think in the dance studio, I see it a lot because, because we do have a competition team and I see it a lot with, um, you know, kids will make a mistake on stage, you know, and I can't imagine as a parent how hard that is. Cause you know how hard they've worked and, yeah. and all of that, or, or they're nervous about going on stage. Um, maybe they have stage fright or something like that. And you almost want to say, okay, no, you don't have to do it, but they're not going to learn from that. You know, you gotta, you gotta figure out the tools to help them move forward. And now having my own sons, seeing that it's kind of, you know, as much easier as a teacher to be in a coach to be like, no, you just gotta let them fail. Like they're going to figure this out. And we learn so much from, um, from our, you know, we learn more from our losses than our wins, you know, and all of this, and we're building character and, you know, all the things that we preach. And now that I'm a mom, I'm like, Ooh, I get it. That's really much easier said than done, you know, um, just with Ethan, who's two and a half kind of figuring out the world. My, my husband and I try to have actually like, we both kind of try to do a little bit more of a hands-off, but we let him explore and things like that. Obviously if he's going to like kill or maim himself, no, we're going to step in, you know, if he's going to take a tumble, 
he's going to take a tumble and he's going to learn from it, you know, and, uh, and we try to let him figure things out as much as a two and a half year old can, you know, but I do think if we coddled him too much, he's not going to figure out the world on his own, you know? So, um, a great example of that would be when he was just learning to like, was he just crawling or was just sitting up and we have a step down into our living room at the house. So, and he did not know how to go up and down steps yet. Um, but so I was over in the kitchen cooking and my husband came over in the kitchen and I was like, where's Ethan? He's like over there. I'm like, he's by the step. What if he, and then you just hear boom. So he fell off that step, but Aaron, I am telling you, he is the most careful kid with like edges and steps. He has never fallen off a step or a bench or anything since then. I mean, for months he would like, if we were on a sidewalk and you know, it had like the little two inch drop to the, uh, the parking lot, he would sit down about three feet before and scoot himself over to the bench to get down. But we have a cabin up North. We have a, a <clears throat> I get very worried about him potentially like, you know, falling in the water, falling off the edge. He's very, very aware of those edges and what that can mean if he misses it. So kind of a stupid little anecdote, but I mean, it's kind of one of those, he did fall. Now, did I let him fall? No, I would have ran over and grabbed him if I had been a little bit quicker, but it ended up being one of the best things because when we're, like I said, when we're up at the cabin, I know I'm still next to him all the time on the pier, but I know he's very aware of those edges and he's much more careful with it. So life lessons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They start early. That's for sure. I've always like, feel like they're training us to be able to take the bigger ones that are going to be harder falls. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. That's like a simple one. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, um, okay. So now just looking, um, a little bit further down the line when you had kids. So obviously you had the studio first and you had that established. Um, I think you met your husband in between establishing the studio and yes. Okay. So then you met your husband and then you have two boys now. Tell us about the evolution of balancing, um, personal and professional and, um, any like struggles or successes or ways you feel like, boy, I really got it down when I figured X, Y, Z out. Um, no, I do not feel like I have it figured out. <laughs> In any way. I mean, well, join, join the party. That's everywhere. <laughs> um, no, you know, I mean, I think what I'm grateful. So, you know, I had kind of, I would say in my life, I really kind of put career first. I knew I wanted to build this foundation with the business before I started a family. Now as life would have it, you know, I met my husband the second year the studio was open. I think we had just started dating and he came to our, our second recital ever. And the, I, like I knew on our third date, I knew I was going to marry this man. I fell in love with him instantly, but I really knew he was the right one when, uh, I met him after the recital and he was tearing up talking about how amazing it was what these kids were doing and putting themselves on stage like that. And all, and I was like, he could not get this anymore. Like this is, we're meant to be, you know? So, um, so then we continued to, uh, build and grow the business together. And it was a really great evolution before I had family. You know, I knew that, like I said, I wanted to lay this foundation. So when I did have family and kids, I could, I could be there for my kids in the way I needed to be. Um, and that actually 
kind of, you know, it's funny how, <clears throat> how life works out sometimes. Um, so I knew that, that I was going to build that way. So when we got married, uh, basically what was available for us <laughs> to, to get married in our, a venue that was available was, uh, available the first week of fall classes. So, you know, I was like, okay, well I had, um, I had teachers co-teaching classes with me so that they could teach the first couple weeks when we went, you know, got married, went on our honeymoon, and then I could come and jump back in. Um, and that was, it, it was just kind of perfect timing because the year before I had been teaching classes on my own and I had, there were a number of times where I would get pulled out of class because I am the studio owner. There would be issues or problems and I was the one who had to deal with them. Um, the night where I was like, okay, I got to figure out something else. Uh, there was a leak in the ceiling and the ceiling tile was getting wet. So I'm teaching class. I'm pulling a big, you know, 14 foot ladder in. I'm climbing up and moving ceiling tiles around, like shouting down to the kids how they should be stretching. And these poor kids had to sit there for like 20 minutes while I'm digging around in the ceiling. And I was just like, this is not okay. You know, um, I need somebody who can be here. If I need to step out, that can continue to run the class with the same professionalism that I would. These kids deserve it. The parents deserve it. So I had already kind of planned on having a teacher co-teaching with me. And then as life would have it, you know, like I said, the wedding was when the wedding was. We went on our honeymoon. Um, and really after that, I, I've always had another one of my teachers in the room with me. Um, and then slowly uh, we started to, you know, I started to pull back a little bit on some hours after I had my son, Ethan. So we had Ethan ooh, a year and a half after we got married. So I had pulled, I was pregnant when we were starting that year. And so I had pulled back a few hours. I was still teaching quite a bit. Um, Ethan was born in February. So I knew most of my dances were going to be done at that point and, and things like that. Um, the next year I started to pull back even a little bit more um, in between. I've gone and I've taught a few classes at UW Milwaukee. They've invited me back to teach some courses there. Um, so I would try to balance those a little bit. Um, and then really I taught a few last year. I only taught on Thursdays last year and this year I'm actually not teaching at all. Um, that's really more to do with COVID than anything else. Mm -hmm. It was a decision that I had kind of made over the summer where, you know, we were really trying to tighten up the ship and it was kind of like the studio just can't afford to have two professionals in a room, not to mention we were really looking at limited class sizes. And so to take up another spot with another teacher just didn't make sense at that time. Um, and it actually ended up being for the best because then my son Noah was born and, um, he, we had a Down syndrome diagnosis when he was born, and I've been able to be more present with him and Ethan right now. But finding out a magical way to balance family and work, you know, I mean, I think for me, it's just been a work in progress to get to this point of balance, and I'm still not great at it. Um, I... <laughs> Here's a great example of how not great that I am. <laughs> um, after Noah was born, you know, this is COVID. This is a crazy time. And I didn't get a maternity leave. So I had Noah on Wednesday and I put in a six hour day on Monday, you know, and, um, and I'm working from home, which is great. But I think anybody who's working from home right now can attest to how, um, how much more of a challenge it is to separate work and personal life. And you're, you're just kind of 
always working, right? It's like I spend 20 minutes here with Ethan and then I'm doing emails and then I feed Noah and then I'm back doing emails and, you know, then I'm talking to this vendor and then I'm feeding Noah and then I try to play with Ethan for 10 and the whole day is just like back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Um, and so a couple months after Noah was born, so it was like, he was three months old. I don't know. I realized I was getting really dizzy during the days. Okay. So I would get these really bad dizzy spells and it progressively started to get worse and worse. And finally, one day I was in the kitchen and I kind of had to hold on to the counter because I was getting so dizzy. And finally I was thinking about it and I'm like, this has been going on for two months. Like this isn't, this isn't, I, I, I kind of attributed it to like, oh, I must be dehydrated because I'm breastfeeding, you know, or I must not be eating enough because I would get up and just start working. And sometimes I wouldn't eat till noon. So I would slam water, I would, you know, eat food and it would just get worse throughout the afternoon. So finally I went to see the doctors about it and they did like a whole blood work panel, which I was really hoping <laughs> that I was just like anemic and I could take an iron supplement and like go yeah. away. You know, like, cause when my blood panel came back normal, my sister was like, that's great. And I was like, oh, not really. <laughs> Like, it doesn't fix it. It doesn't fix it. I was like, I just want yeah. you know, I don't do anything bad. Just, you know, yeah. you know, that's fine. Um, that's an easy fix. So they did more. They did like an EKG and checked all the stuff. They checked it, you know, we're asking me, we thought maybe it could be vertigo because that does happen yeah. for some women. But um, it wasn't that. It was basically stress and lack of sleep because they didn't have a maternity leave and life is just stressful right now. And, uh, and I, I was actually, that was the one where I was like, that's going to be the hardest one to fix because it's that work-life balance, right. Yeah. You know, yeah. that we all struggle with normally. And now here's this like unique, crazy time in our lives that we're all going through. And, and how do I balance that out? You know, and the doctor was very cute. She's like, Oh, you know, you should just tell your staff that, you know, I work from these hours to these hours and, you know, don't bother me after five o'clock. And I'm like, I, I just nodded in my head and I was like, yeah, as a owner, you can't do that. <laughs> that's just, you know, and that's, there's a lot of joy in owning your own business. I love so much of it. I actually love the chaos um, and figuring things out. You know, COVID was a challenge, but truthfully, I didn't mind it. Like it's kind of crazy, but um as scary as it was, there was a part, I tried to focus on the excitement of it, I guess, you know, there's a lot of negatives that you can focus on. I really try to focus on silver linings in life and the positive. And there was some excitement. I mean, you know, this was, we were kind of reinventing the wheel and doing things from scratch. And I kind of had the zest and this energy that um, I hadn't felt in a couple years with, you know, um, with creating new things at the studio. So, so that was kind of crazy, but it was like, well, what do I do about you know, work-life balance now yeah. <laughs> and I'm getting dizzy and, um, all of that. And I mean, it was getting to points that I would get nervous about carrying no care, you know, carrying Noah around the house. So I actually really had to make it a point, um, to, to exercise number one. And, uh, and whether that was getting out and going for a walk, I was really good about that after I had Ethan with life the way it is. And with a toddler and two boys, not the same. And I mean, sure, I'm chasing Ethan around, but that's not the same as 30 minutes set aside for me to take care of myself. So I'm not great at it. I, I do it, I would say four days out of the week. Um, but I really try to find 30 minutes, whether that's, um, you know, I do beach body. So an online workout, or if I get out and walk 
And then the other thing that I started doing is uh, Beachbody has a meditation app. It's 10 minutes a day. And I would actually say the meditation that 10, even more than working out that 10 minutes to just be quiet and be still has done wonders for my stress and dizziness. And those days when I'm doing that, I have no problems at all. When I start to go a little bit in between without, you know, working out or without meditating, that dizziness starts coming. And it's just regulating those stress levels, I think, you know? Um, So I guess that's my only secret right now, (laughs) meditation. But really what it is, 10 minutes a day. That's what I found. 10 minutes of quiet, because if I don't meditate, I also have this, um, I just got this thing, a prana mat. I don't know if you've heard Ooh. of this, mm-hmm. but, but like the, it's awful and awesome at the same time. It's all pokey and it's supposed to be like pressure point relieving. Um, but if I lay on that for 10 minutes a day and I just do the 10 minutes of quiet, it's the same thing as the meditation. So I've really found like, and, and the way I think of it is I'm like, the days I don't do it, I'm like, how do I not find 10 minutes? there is 10 minutes, you know, there is no excuse really for that. So I'm not perfect at it by any means, but I think that 10 minutes of quiet has really done wonders um, for me and with that work-life balance a little bit. Yeah. And I, I think too, it's the, um, it's just the, the mental check of making that commitment to yourself and following through, like just, just showing yourself that you you matter, that you value yourself. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and it's really, it's hard for us to do. Right. And especially as like moms, I mean, we put everybody else first. That's just what we do. That's our nature, you know? And sometimes I think it's okay. You have to be a little bit selfish and I'm slowly kind of learning. Um, you know, I guess I used to be a little bit more in touch with it. And then I lost it for a couple of years, but I'm really going back to, if I don't take care of myself, I can't take care of other people. I can't take care of my family. You know, I'm not the best mom to my kids. I'm not the best wife to my husband. I'm not the best um, leader to my staff. I'm not the best teacher to my students, you know, and not that I'm going to be the best, but I'm certainly much better when I take 10 to 30 minutes a day to focus on myself. Well, totally. And too, just like I'm working hard on changing the narrative. Like since when is taking care of yourself selfish? Do you think it's selfish when other people do it? I don't. I'm like, no, you really should. You really should take care of yourself. And you really like, it's so important. Like you got to practice what you preach. You can't think that it applies to everybody else and that you're the exception to the rule, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's true. But I mean, that is a, a great point. Cause I mean, if I'm teaching my kids at dance, I'm always like, you have to take care of your bodies. You have to take, you need rest. You need water. Your leg is hurting. You need to go get a massage or, you know, see somebody. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'll sit with leg pain for like five months before I, do, you know, I'm like practically crippled before I go get help for myself, <laughs> you know? So it is like you said, practice what you preach. And, um, and I think, you know, this thing with like the dizzy spells and stuff. And I didn't really talk to anybody about it, you know, but it was really starting to um, infringe on my life and my ability to be productive during the day and be present. I mean, because it was this fog that would just come over my head and it was hard for me to be present with my family. It was hard for me to um, make sound decisions for the business to connect with my staff, you know, and, uh, 
And eventually it was like, you know, I'm not going to keep moving forward. If I, I do this, I'm kind of stuck in a rut right now and I've got to do something to get out of it, you know? And, and so, yeah, like I said, 10 to 30 minutes a day is really what I found. It's all I need, but it makes a huge difference. Yeah. Well, in your body, eventually, no matter what your body, there will be some physical consequence. Yeah. Uh, I think people want to push away or excuse the things that are happening to us physically and like soldier on. And I really, at a lot of times in my life, have been like the poster child for that, you know, like heart palpitations horribly where I'm like, gosh, it's so bad that I feel like I'm like losing my breath or, well, that's called anxiety and it's was stress and stress induced. And you, you know, like you, you can't just keep going and going and going and going. There were so many good parts of Megan's interview that this is only part one. Next Friday, we'll come back with part two, where she discusses more about her son's diagnosis with Down syndrome and the unconditional love and inspiration of her family. If you like what you heard on today's episode, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and please share with your friends. Thanks so much. Look forward to hearing from you and seeing you next week. 